Good evening. We would like to bring this community meeting of Eternians to order. Tonight on the subject will be uh, who has ownership over He-Man's sword? <laughs> no, we're not doing that again, Mark. Please, oh, no, uh, no. I, hang, hang on, let me check my... I think uh, it's the Sorceress. I'm, I'm off script already. Hello, you are listening to a Rad Legend Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your silly goose of a host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And our favorite show tonight is Masters of the Universe Revelation, brought to you by the good people at Kevin Smith. And in addition to which, Powerhouse Animation Studios, Mattel Television, and Netflix. And joining me this evening, of course, first, Back from his imposed hiatus, he went on the Jonas hiatus, though I'm pretty sure he named his kid not Jonas. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's Andrew Graham. How do you do, sir? Doing good. How's everybody doing tonight? Very good, sir. Doing I good. Call the Michael Exodus. The Michael Exodus. Outstanding. Well, it's good to have you back, Andrew. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see a little bit more of you uh, over the next couple of months. I think I've been penciled in for two things already in the last week, so... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Um, and joining us tonight, he was able to clear his schedule for us. He's a busy, busy man, but we catch him hither and thither. Not my cat. <laughs> I'm hoping the cat perches on your head. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Evan Bevins. How do you do, sir? Uh, I'm doing good. I, I have the power to talk about this show. So we we waited until uh, both sets of episodes came out. The first set arrived over the summer, and the internet went kaflui. A lot of angry men. Um, it's the the whole thing dropped July twenty third. The first five episodes rather dropped July twenty third, twenty twenty one, and then the second set dropped November twenty third. And we waited uh, for the holidays to pass for a spot there to be on the schedule and for Andrew to be able to come back and talk about it. And so here we are. And I'm glad that we waited. I'm not as and I don't want to within start the whole round table here with this. I'm not as negative on it as a lot of people who were like, this is not my He-Man. Um, they put all the focus on Tila. Everyone knows that by now. And a lot of people just checked out of the show after the first five episodes of that. They were like, how do you do a He-Man show without He-Man? And I was like, let's give it a chance. Let's see how, let's see how they handle the back half. And having done so, there's some things I can forgive it for. And then there are other things that I still think they whiff the ball on. Um, I know just as a whole, I don't know what they were thinking with this in terms of audience and um, like who this was supposed to be for. So those are my kind of initial thoughts, having seen the whole thing. I'll go to you first, Andrew. You saw the back half. You had thoughts. Then you saw the second half. Did those thoughts change at all? Um, not as much. I'm going to kind of just preface myself that I think I'm a little bit probably more positive than average on, on a lot of this show. Mm -hmm. um full disclosure i'm probably on the borderline of those who actually caught he-man even in syndication i'm i'm 38 so mm -hmm. it was, was in syndication at that point when i was a kid so i definitely have vague recollections of it i don't have every episode memorized so 
I've got a little bit more distance on it in terms of feelings for the original show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and overall, I was, I was fairly positive with it. I will say I think there was definitely a lot of setup in the first half that ended up being paid off quite well on the back end. Sure. I think in terms of story structure, it was solid. Things that were set up, in, as you said, in the first half were paid off in the second half. Um, it's hard for me to think that this is ever going to get renewed, not only because of the backlash, but because the story they told was wrapped up really, really nicely and almost with nowhere to go afterwards. Um, I'm not really interested in seeing what happens with these characters with how they ended the thing. So we'll get there. Evan, you saw the first half. You had thoughts. You saw the second half. Did those thoughts change at all? Well, um, I uh, I was a little late watching the first half. So the internet and um, a certain group chat you invited me to <laughs> told, told me a lot of things about what happened. <laughs> and told you um, what to think and how to think it. I may have muted the group chat for a while. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I do have kind of a knee-jerk reaction um, to, to go the other way. Like, it, it took me a while to get around to watching Iron Fist Season 1, so I was determined to like it no matter what. Um, and, and, and I did. I mean, it was, it was the weakest of the Marvel Netflix shows, but I, I didn't hate it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I knew there was there was a little bit of a bait and switch there, but um, I, th- I, th- I thought it was executed really well. Um, it may, I mean, I didn't I didn't mind Tila. It, maybe that's because, you know, one of my favorite TV shows uh, involves Sarah Michelle Gellar kicking people's butts and, uh, you know, wrestling with demons and emotional trauma for seven years. So that could have had something to do with it. The impact Buffy that the Vampire Slayer. That, of course, being Slayer. supermarket sweep. Sure. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, the impact that Buffy the Vampire Slayer has had on people. Like, I, I, I know so many people who, like, that show is like, just critical in their fandom. It's, like, dead center. And I, I tell you, other than watching the movie, it went, and I was on an episode, I think, of either Angel or Buffy. I don't remember which one. Um, oh, I was a Hollywood extra. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't. I, I thought you guys knew that story. Yeah, let's, but I, let's table this Masters of the Universe discussion. Uh, which no, episode? What no, season? Uh, if I could remember the details offhand, I would tell you. But just know, I, I, I have yeah. the complete of both of those, so we can go look that up later. Yep. Okay. Um, fairly certain it was Angel, by the way. Any case, the point I mean, that I was getting at is it's it's funny you you just you bring up Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, just because like I said, apparently Buffy has had quite the impact on people. But what I want to know, Evan. Um, were you, so I think we're all give or take within 10 years of each other. I'm about, about to be 46 this year. And yeah, and I grew up right in the middle of like th- that He-Man era where they put the toys out, the cartoon was there. Like I, that was right there for me. It was He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Thundercats. There, there um, were toys? <laughs> and that's what I wanted to ask you. Like I had quite a few He-Man figures and I guess I had my own little wrestling league with them too. So um, clearly, you were a big fan of the. He- uh, you were part of the He-Man fandom as a kid, yeah. Huge, yes, yes. I, uh, I mean, I, I, there were there were some things I, I didn't know. I remember watching a lot of the shows. I, I'm pretty sure He-Man got me started on comics with the little miniature comics um, mm-hmm. they had in the, that came with the with the characters. Um, watched the show of, a lot. Have a, that, were you part of that group that reviewed the mini comics with Jesse? No, I was I was not. I think that was before I got uh, invited into the inner circle, okay. which was slightly before everybody regretted inviting me into the inner circle. But um, 
not everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I had the toys, um, like crazy. I, I still have some that haven't, uh, haven't fallen apart. Uh, a little piece of my childhood was lost forever when I realized that Stinkor was just a repainted merman that smelled funny. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I could relate to the characters early on when the magic was dying, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I've, got, I've got books, I've got comics, I've got DVDs, I made comics, I should have grabbed uh, one of those, I have homemade He-Man comics, um, i pretty sure had one idea of a fan fiction, um, the idea that tied the Dolph Lundgren movie in with the cartoon, um, made them all part of the same uh, universe. Okay. So, um, I, I've spent a little time with He-Man. It sounds like it. Uh, we have a friend here watching. Uh, Gavin Napier says the original Mossman stinker figures still retain their odors if they've been in an enclosed area. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's true. All right, let's let's get right to the meat of the matter. Um, what everyone, what drove everyone crazy about the first five episodes, from the eldest amongst us who watched this thing, who were huge He-Man super fans and feel like this was an attack on masculinity. To my son, who was seven years old at the time, who walked around in a circle in the living room screaming, how do you make a He-Man show without He-Man? <laughs> well, that's about, the question, isn't it? Let, let's talk about that. They they made a conscious decision to nerf He-Man right at the, in the beginning, the first episode, and focus on Tila for the remaining, for the next three or four episodes uh, to bring He-Man back in the second half. That was the gimmick here. And so it's this is her journey with Evil Lynn and um, the uh, the African American looking friend Andra uh, Andra. <laughs> it's African Attorneyan, Mark. Thank you, African Attorneyan. You're, you're not wrong. Anyway, um, so what you so let's talk about that. You know, they they may, I think those of us who were a little bit more patient and accepting, so I wanted to see what the payoff of that was going to be. So, what did you think of those first half that focused solely on Tila, Andrew? Um, I really enjoyed it, and I think what I'd like to do is just take a quick second and bring in where I think Kevin Smith was coming from on a lot of this series. So okay. probably about, probably getting on about 10 years ago, he still got it going. He started a podcast called Fat Man on Batman, mm -hmm. where he was talking a, a lot about the Batman stuff. This was near the end of the Nolan trilogy. Um, there's a lot of other stuff going on. And one of the things he ended up doing was actually talking a lot about He-Man in these, these episodes. Mm -hmm. Because he's a tremendous fan of Batman the Animated Series, and he talks to guys like Bruce Tim, um, Paul Dini, uh, other comic guys like J. Michael Straczynski, who all actually got their start on He-Man. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting to hear some of their stories about about developing that show. And I mean, in the last couple of years, there have been some more um, kind of hagiographies, sort of, you know, He-Man was great and had this great mythology. Um, on like the toys that made us and there was a Masters of the Universe documentary and, and these guys were really talking about it on the brass tacks and making this series where basically Mattel sent over a design of a thing the, the, the writers and the animators were basically like okay what do we call this thing? He's a skunk <laughs> so Stinkor and right. we think he's a good guy or a bad guy where he's pretty ugly so we're going to make him a bad guy mm -hmm. and they definitely talked about a lot of the constraints of the show and they talked about um, kind of having to work around that writing and things like that. Now, getting into this, I, I kind of I know there's been been some definite approaches and a lot of controversy around it. 
I think one of the things that they were trying to overcome was kind of the, to use the MCU phrase, it was the Captain Marvel problem. Mm -hmm. And they they show it well because they didn't really nerf He-Man. They show every time He-Man is there, he goes in there, he kicks ass, and he sorts everything out in five minutes. All right. And he also is kind of this overwhelming presence of character. So I think it was interesting for them to say, have the same universe, take He-Man out of the equation a little bit, and then see what happens to the other characters as, as things move forth. Um, in terms of the first half, I, I enjoyed it. I think they gave Tila some good development. Um, I'd say if there was anything in terms of any one character in terms of like um, both performance and writing an arc that really hit it off for me, it was Evelyn and uh, voiced by, I think it's Lena Headey. Yes. Who, that was a really interestingly written character. Lots of good pathos, lots of good development, and a really great voice acting piece as well. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, I thought Tila was fine. I think giving her, having her start as a, in a position of hurt and kind of work her character forward from there was really interesting. Um, I think having, uh, and I can't remember her, her uh, the other person she was kind of hanging around with for, for much of the time. Um, you said it already, it was like Andrea or something? Andrew. And, Andrew. I thought her and Andrea had good chemistry. I, I'm going to be perfectly honest because it's a different skill. I think, I think you know, Sarah Michelle Geller is a perfectly good actress. Maybe not such a good voice actor, though. I think sometimes her line deliveries were a little bit stiff. But, but I there was, was some, I was fine. There with was some, that. there were some nails on a chalkboard moment for sure. Yeah, for me. So, um, going over to you, and I want to stay on Tila. So if you want to address some of what Andrew's already talked about and your thoughts, do so. But I, um, but to not have to repeat the same questions. Let's take a little bit further. A lot of what um, you see in the first episode or two that hurt that Andrew talked about, you know, is Tila reacting to the fact that um, Adam didn't reveal his identity to her. And she felt like everyone was keeping, you know, she thought she was in the inner circle. And as it turns out, she was an outsider. And clearly the way they wrote this character, this was this this was a part of her psyche, a part of her character that was always was was back there already. Um, just not at the forefront, and it comes roaring to the forefront here, which he feels like the entire royal court, short of the king, knew what was happening and didn't bother to tell her, and she felt, you know, and then Adam allegedly dies and all of that, and she just sort of explodes and runs away, and there were some, I'm thinking specifically of, like, the critical drinker as one, but a lot of people made the same comments. They were like, how do you as a person react that way when there were bigger things happening? And here's what my thought is and then I'll, I'll let you respond you know the, the the thing about watching a drama of any kind is characters are going to be imperfect and in the beginning they should be making kind of terrible decisions things that make you frustrated with them there should be growth that's that's the art of the screenplay your character should have an arc they should get from one place to another and her starting off that way and just sort of fast forwarding by the end she's resolved a lot of that and forgiven it and gotten past it so I don't mind that that's where they started with it, but boy, did it drive people crazy. Like she should have started off fully formed and fully mature and roaring forward. Go ahead, Evan. What are your thoughts? Well, no, it didn't bother me the way they started it off. One thing that I thought was really interesting about it is they, they took this, you know, they were, they kept saying it's, it's a direct continuation. It's a direct sequel to, to the original show. It's not a, not a reboot, you know, it's not a fresh start. So they took this that I absolutely loved as a kid mm-hmm. and they 
kind of moved it forward. They they sort of grew it up, which I, I was reading an article a little bit ago was was how they pitched it to Kevin Smith. They're like, do the show, but do it for grownups. Um, mm-hmm. And so they took all these elements in in the show, um, you know, the the secret identity and all that stuff, and they're like, okay. So let's let let's let's play that out. What what does that mean to, to somebody? What does that mean to the one person who who was out? Now you know when I'm watching the show, it's just because oh we have to keep the secret from from some people. But you know it, it it was just there to to advance the plot. But okay, so we're looking at characters. What does that mean? What does that do to somebody? And um, you know even the the way they started it off, it just felt like you know some up production value. He man, I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, He-Man's really, uh, he, you know, he, he's pretty chill. Oh, Skeletor's trying to take the castle again. You know, this is this is what we deal with every week. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's not that way anymore. Right. And so it's it's like let's let's take all these elements. You know, let, let's let's have a little fun with them. Let's let's wink at some of it. But let's, you know, you were a kid. You liked this show. Now you're watching it as an adult. So let's let's try to see it see it through your eyes. Um, I, I did. I didn't have a problem with a lot of it. I will say that's you know because I, I had a pretty good idea in part because I had a pretty good idea of the switch, and I'd seen all the anger, and I was like, oh, it can't be that bad, can it? I mean, I I gave Gili a chance, um, so you know I I try to be open minded, and I I was fine with it. I mean, you've got these, and I know some people. You know, sometimes people feel like, and sometimes you can force the the girl power a, mm-hmm. a little bit. But I mean, you've got these two characters who were, you know, classic parts of the mythology. But you know, you've got Fisto who has the you know metal <laughs> fist. You got Moss Man who does his thing. Stinkor smells funny. What were Tila and Eva Lynn's uh, powers and distinguishing characteristics? They were girls. Yeah, they were girls. That 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 was their action feature. Um, right. You know that that was. It's like, hey, and I think uh, I know we had the Shira line, but um, you know, other than eventually we got a sorceress action figure, and that was it. So they they gave these characters more depth, more personality, and they didn't, you know, they they, they took what was there and and they grew it up and they moved forward with it. Now, if Hang you on, didn't enjoy the, it, I, you know, right. that that in that's the, fine. In the, spirit, in the spirit of that, Garen, Gavin, who's a friend of ours watching on Facebook. A woman becoming irrationally angry over not divulging deepest secrets is the most realistic writing Kevin Smith has ever done for a female character. Fucking truth, man. Also, <laughs> this one's for you, uh, Evan, the heroic master of fisting. <laughs> Do it up, Mark. You gotta head it. <laughs> oh, no. Damn it. Hang on. And yet somehow they didn't manage to work his opposite number, uh, Evil Warrior, in Jitsu. So, just so we can move on from this and not spend an entire hour belaboring the point, uh, I was 50-50 on Tila. Uh, I don't care if you have a, you know, a strong female protagonist. I don't care if you sideline He-Man for a while, if the intention is to bring him back. I think my, you know, the issue that you guys brought up about, hey, we have this character, she's had no development in in the source material, um, and we're trying to, as you said, write this for an adult audience so she should have human reactions to things that are happening that's all well and good i'm not entirely sure they were successful in making her likable even towards the end there there you know in terms of like resolving the conflict internal and external i thought that they did a good job with you know you know her 
sort of getting past that and and being being friends with Adam again. But they do give her some really tortured lines, Andrew, especially in the second half. Like I to the point where like I was I'm watching it on and I have it on the background while I was doing stuff this morning on the computer. And I would look over every once in a while, especially if it's something I hadn't seen before. And then I'd go back to doing what I was doing and it's sort of passively watching. And then she said something at the end like you, you know wherever you like <laughs> you go wherever I go. And I'm like, "Ugh. <laughs> oh god." Like and I'm just, just laughing a, out loud at stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there was definitely some, like I said, I think there was some uh, acting on screen versus doing voice acting are two different mm-hmm. skills. I mean, you can hear that over the varying numbers of, of you know, just let's throw in a random celebrity onto a cartoon movie and see how it all works. But yeah, um, there's definitely some of that. I think, I think my overall reaction to Tila was, was, overall pretty positive i'd say throughout mm-hmm. it i mean she definitely wasn't she wasn't trying to win any popularity contest but i think that was also a part of her character arc as well right. um if there's Maybe. one episode i got a call out positively mm-hmm. it was the i think it was called land of the dead mm-hmm. when they're down in um i can't remember what they called that realm subternia, subternia. yes <laughs> yeah i know they were they were pushing that a little hard in a few places so but uh, I really enjoyed that episode. Um, was it Glow Skull or Skull? What was that character's name? Glow Stick. Move on. Just keep going. Anyway, Scare Glow. Scare Glow. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> he he lost an arm, and sadly, this was like the one figure I had that was worth something. I was like, I'm going to eBay that sucker, and and no arm. Evan, how are they not mint in it's box? Mint in box, Evan. Mint in box. <laughs> you can't play with them if they're in the box. That's what my wife Amen. always tells me. Also, I was like... I'm sorry, Andrew. Please continue. They're not in-action figures. <laughs> I would only consider that's just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> Put your arms off. Anyway, um, I did like that that episode in terms of kind of Tila dealing with her own fears of, yeah. you know, as we find out later, she's a very powerful character and her dealing with her own levels of of confidence and things like that yeah there was definitely a lot of subtext about you know women owning their own power there was there 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 is definitely you know when you're sitting around in the writer's room you're like what themes do we have what are we talking about here sort of a tacit acknowledgement of women feeling like they are dismissed and you know they are um disempowered uh throughout very various facets of society and then wanting to make this sort of a women's power fantasy here's my problem evan and i'm curious to get your opinion on this I don't know if this is a the right vehicle. B geared towards the an audience that would have at least given it a chance to put the message in there about empowering women and this being a a women's power fantasy. And and I only say that because when I think about the kinds of stuff that like my wife tends to read and watch and look at and where she derives you know wanting to see herself on screen or seeing you know someone that she would she would want to be like her fantasy. It's not, it's not this, it's not muscly guys with goofy names hitting each other with swords. It's other stuff entirely. So it's like, I get like, I can sympathize with a writer's room full of people going, we should give women more agency and more power. And that's okay. Okay. But they're not the ones adult women or very, or not, not enough. I said this in the chat, not enough to make this a worthwhile endeavor, not a big enough audience of women that are going to watch this thing going, yes, finally a show that speaks to me. What are your thoughts, Evan? Well, I mean, I, I guess I see, I see where you're coming from, but, you know, to me, uh, a good story is a good story. I mean, it, again, 
I'll I'll go back to it, even though uh, it's associated with someone who's not very popular right now. But I mean, Buffy mm-hmm. the Vampire Slayer, and there mm-hmm. there were male characters on there, but that was you know that that was primarily focused on women. Mm-hmm. I love that show, um, and it wasn't just because Sarah Michelle Gellar was adorable. Everybody's like, that's the only reason you watch that show. I'm like, no, I'm there for Willow. Anyway, um, <laughs> All right, well done. <laughs> Um, okay, no, I didn't know if you had more to say. No, I, well, I, 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 you said hold on. No, I said well done. Oh, my bad, my bad. Um, and later on, yeah. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I'm not gonna not watch something just because you know the the, the main character is a, a female, and I mean this is a character that I I grew up with, you know. I so that was interesting. And as far as um. As far as He-Man and Skeletor kind of being, you know, moved aside in the first half, I mean, obviously he mans the centerpiece, but uh, you know, I, I I was always more into the supporting characters anyway. I got I got my man Snout Spout perched up here in the turret, um, you know, cybernetic firefighter guy. Um, I'm gonna, I, you I'm know, gonna... it, it was always He-Man's allies that I found the most interesting. I'm going to make one last comment on this, and then we're going to talk about He-Man specifically. Okay. Um, a lot of the anger, and Gavin pointed this out too, and also I'll put it on screen. Um, the, I think the anger comes from the fact that as an audience member and as a fan, if you think, if you're saying, hey, we're going to do a new show about He-Man, He-Man, um, you know, Masters of the Universe, He-Man, and then the first half of the show is about Tila. Look, there is a story to be told about Tila, and I think people would be there for it. But don't, don't. It's the, the phrase he used was bait and switch. That that was the one that got bandied about a lot, and I think that's valid. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would have gotten as angry about it as many people did. Um, I don't care enough. These were toys. Me- <laughs> these were. T- <laughs> this was a show meant to sell toys to children, and I can't. Chris Bailey, hang on to Chris Bailey, nostalgia. Chris Bailey, um, <laughs> I am almost fifty. But it works. Affect me like it does, like it did. I used to have that little horsey, yeah. little horsey. Was that? Was that? Wait a was that from He Man or was that from? Uh, was Marshall Bravestar? No, no, that that was He Man. I okay. believe it was. I believe that was Stridor. Oh, okay. And then yeah. I forget this guy's name, but uh, okay. okay, he was in the show. No, I just, I mean, I, you know, I, I enjoyed, you know, seeing all the the Easter eggs, the characters that you'd never seen on the show, or you know, thought you you wouldn't see again. So I, I get, I get it, people being upset with like that. Transformers, where you had your main sort of for three or four characters, but then they always threw in another toy character. To, to freshen up, like, you know, Hound would get an episode or, like, you know, I don't know. I, I can't remember anymore. Like Jetfire would get an episode. <laughs> Scorponok, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Evan. No, I, I was just uh, saying, you know, I, I enjoyed seeing seeing those characters. I get people not liking the bait and switch. I mean, it, it, it's it's a bait and switch, but, I mean, how, how are you going to surprise somebody? You know, I mean, I, I thought they, they pulled off the, the surprise really well and ratcheted it up from just another episode of He-Man to, oh, this is, this is something different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, would anybody, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. There, people might have watched the, the Tila show if, if you were upfront about it, but uh, the, the, this was something surprising. They were, they were trying to do something different. I, I get if, if people don't like it, but I, 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 don't, I don't fault them for, for giving it a try because I, I, I think uh, – I think it was pretty interesting the, w- the way they did it. I uh, I didn't realize that it was aimed at an older audience. I'm I'm glad my kids didn't take me up on the op- on the invitation to watch it with them when um, 
you know, people were getting run through or they're like, hey, we're going to find the first sword in hell. You know, um, or the or or evil Lynn seducing Skeletor so she could steal his power. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was, was uh, <laughs> yeah, very, 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 very subtle there. I was real busy this morning, and I heard the critical drinker talk about that. I'm like, okay, when this comes up, I gotta pay attention. And I literally was like, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, where is this going in my Pornhub fantasy mind? Like, like how adult does this get? Um, and maybe that's the other thing is it seemed to have been sort of tonally confused because I sat and watched the first episode with my kids too. And like, I've talked about this in the chat. My son, who's about to be eight, loves the, uh, the other version of He-Man that's on Netflix right now that I think the second season's about to drop or has dropped, I don't remember which, but he loves that. He thinks that's great. And that's very He-Man focused, but it's also very juvenile, which it's supposed to be. Um, my daughter, a big feminist that she is, couldn't even get through the first episode. She was like, yeah, I'm out. Which, which, look, I, I can't, it's an anecdote, but I'm going to run with it. I, I think when you lose somebody who's as, like, female empowerment focused as my, you know, 11-year-old daughter, and you can't, you can't keep her interest in this, I don't know if this show has a whole lot of hope of retaining any audience. Because now you've pissed off the fans, you've pissed off a lot of guys. Some and, fans. And some fans. You know, and, and you can't retain the women who you're trying to draw in. I, I, can we acknowledge that's a flaw in the in the writing? Um, yeah, it, it definitely had had an in, inconsistent tone. I mean, I mm -hmm. I was all for making it more serious and you know growing it up to a point, but yeah, I'm like, do do we really need? I mean, okay, if you want a little innuendo with Skeletor and Evil in, that's fine, but you know, we'll put the sword down so we can bang. That's a little, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, okay. First of all, had and he, he fell for it. Had Evelyn actually said, "Put your sword down so we can bang." <laughs> I'm all in, and I'm not criticizing the show anymore. And my only criticism is why couldn't we get to that sooner? Um, but, <laughs> all right, let's let's move on here. I think uh, can you, I throw one thing? Out yeah, sure, really sure. Quick. Um, I, I think this is a. The more I think about, it, I think this is you know a pretty valid conversation in terms of how how. Um, you know, who was this aimed at? I mean, I right. think on some level, I think Kevin Smith was assuming the audience was more of guys like me and Evan who also grew up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also mm -hmm. watching some of those shows. And it's like, okay, we can go do a, you know, a female-focused episode for arc for kind of half the series and be okay with it. Right. Uh, the other thing that I'll have to say about how they set this first episode up and what I thought was clever for the next four episodes was them also taking Skeletor out at the same time. So you're totally yeah. clearing the board and kind of taking away that focused threat. So then you can kind of let a lot of these secondary characters come up. Yeah. And, and I, like, like I said, I like the, that in theory, I'm not sure in execution, it was done that great, but I mean, we could spend the next half an hour just kind of going over that same point. So let's move on. Let's do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Captain America shield. Um, no, uh, no. <laughs> let's talk about he man. So uh, before the end of uh, the first half of the season, Adam comes back and there's a big reconciliation between Tila and Adam. And she's not all the way there. She's like, look, I'm still irritated by all of this. And Adam's like, yeah, maybe I should have told you, I mean, what are we going to do? We have, I think there are bigger fish to fry here. So they move past that. Um, certainly that's Tila's thing. He's like, I just needed you to know I'm annoyed. <laughs> now that, now that, you know, we can focus on fixing the universe. Um, and then, and then the, the cliffhanger is that he gets run through again, but because he's a cartoon character being run through with a sword doesn't kill him. 
Um, a lot of the show focuses on Tila becoming missed all the vital organs. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, and if that's not true, vital organs are in different places in Eternia. So there. Thank you for the anatomy <laughs> lesson there, uh, sir. Um, so a lot of it is that's a, that's really a big setup, a hurdle for her to overcome. Somebody made the comparison of Tila to Ray. Oh I, yes, <laughs> where she instantly becomes a powerful sorceress without even trying. And I'm like, hang on, Ray had some difficulties. Tila had some difficulties with this too. She didn't master sorcery all in one shot, uh, but she she manages to save Adam. And they do this thing with He-Man in the second half, which I thought was interesting and definitely received a lot of criticism. So Adam uh, makes a tacit recognition when he's face to face with Skeletor as Skeletor is He-Man out now. Um, that it's not the sword that gives you the power. The power, it's like the force. The power is there for you to to control, you know, if, if you know how to do it. And so he says, I have the power, and he becomes hulking He-Man, we'll call him. Um, and he's like a rage, you know, this hulking rage monster for a couple of episodes. People, and I, I want your guys' reaction to this because I, I kind of had the same thought. It was almost as if the show's message sort of subtext is, hey, you can't solve all your problems with big muscles and power and fighting. You have to be able to, you know, to think through things. It can't all be about that. And I and, and, and that's a valid argument to make. You can absolutely tell people, hey, not every problem is solved through fighting. Again, I'm not sure if the muscle show with the action figures and the superheroes was the best place for it or there was an audience there to receive it. Um, so your thoughts, that's what I saw when I saw the, the He-Man character in this show. Um, so you can kind of take it any direction you want, respond to what I said, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. This aspect of the show, I absolutely loved. Okay. I thought it was probably one of the most, I don't want to sound pretentious because we're talking about a show based around Frank Rosetta drawings. No, please, I, please I, be hoity about it. <laughs> I thought I'm going to use a, a pretentious word. I'm going to say this was important because okay. I think, and I mean, I might also be colored about some of the other conversations I was witnessing on social media at the time that I was actually rewatching this because there may have been some memes posted by a certain comedian slash podcaster. I'm not going to name them here. We're not going to get into that about strong men and good times and weak times. And anyway, you guys are probably seeing it or something like that, but it's I the think internet. If you're listening to this. You can find it elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to get into that, but I think... But open uh, another window. Keep this show going. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Evan. In any, case, in any case, I thought this was really interesting on what it had to say about the nature of... They use power, but I think the nature of strength and what strength is, how it relates to other people. Like, when you go back to the first half of the season, when you see Adam in Preternia, he's not there mm -hmm. as He-Man. He's there as Adam. Right. This is kind of, uh, and I'm all, I can also criticize this a little bit because they were definitely stealing some stuff from Captain America, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it makes the good man great and, you know, no matter what you always, you always are, be a good man. Right. And it gets into this whole conversation in the second half around the key to He-Man was that he always gave the power back because that's mm -hmm. what a truly strong man had to do. And I thought that was so brilliant and so, literally so important when we're having these conversations about the nature of strength, the nature of masculinity and the nature right. of things like discipline, like self-control, like things along that line. I thought this show was really, really good about doing that. And I didn't even, even say the way they rolled it into the He-Man character 
and being able to say, you know, why was this guy who dressed in pink always not just He-Man? Mm-hmm. And because he had that realization that that even though he had this power, it wasn't necessarily his to always control. Right. And he also realized that power uncontrolled was a terrifying thing. And I think, yeah. like I said, that was to me a really good message. I thought it was I thought it was well executed. I thought it was well thought out. One of my favorite parts of the season. Yeah, I think um, I think a meditation on the nature of masculinity. It's certainly it, there's a cultural debate going on right now about you know what is masculinity, what is toxic masculinity, and sort of there's a Venn diagram and it moves based on your perspective, <laughs> in my opinion. But I, I think as a meditation on what masculinity is, I thought the show, I thought the show handled it somewhat deftly. Others would argue, Evan, that this was an attack on masculinity. This whole show was an attack on masculinity. This was a um, a purposeful desire to marginalize men, marginalize masculinity, and denude it, you know, for all of all of its worth. It's it's out there. I got to address it. So, um, your thoughts on He Man and whether or not um, your thoughts on He Man, comma, and <laughs> whether or not you agree or disagree that this was just an all out assault on the nature of masculinity? No, it wasn't an assault on masculinity. I mean, the female characters weren't weren't perfect. Um, you know, Tila, I mean, you know, she, she was the focal point, but she, right. she caused plenty of problems and, you know, the sorceress right. was, you know, her, her choices, her decisions were, were questioned and Evelyn, um, they actually made me kind of sympathetic toward her and watching it the, the second time I remember I, I watched the first part a long time ago and then I watched it again preparing for this. And I just remember thinking, Oh, she was playing them the whole time, <laughs> but, but she wasn't, she thought Skeletor was gone and she, she felt used too. And then after you're like, Hey, she's not so bad. Um, actually was wondering if she, my, uh, my daughter, when she found some of my old He-Man action figures, she, she pulled out Tila and Eva Lynn and, uh, she really liked Eva Lynn, but she, she thought her, it was, her name was unfortunate. So she renamed her kind of Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that. I was waiting. I was waiting for that um, to to become canon. Um, but you know, so here's here's someone you sympathize with, and you're kind of waiting for her to, you know, turn the tables on Skeletor, and she doesn't. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to kill everybody. Yeah. Because uh, I don't I, I I don't have time to to sort out who's who's for me and who's against me. And by the way, I looked at all of existence. I don't think there's a god because um, a snake bit a bird, and so we're just going to blow it all up. Now listen, so if you have, it if wasn't. You have I mean, women in your life, they they eventually do come to the conclusion that everyone in the house must go. <laughs> so, um, I mean, no, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was an, an assault on on masculinity. I, I I think Andrew makes a good point. It suggests that there is more to being a man than being the biggest guy and punching everything. Which, I mean, you know, the show for for all its imagery of a big muscly guy, um, you know it. It, the original show didn't, you know, didn't um, pre- preach that message. So it just showed, hey, men, women, they're human um, or Eternian or Moss people, um, you know. But uh, I mean, no, I, I don't think it necessarily took one side over the other. I, I think, like I said, it, it, it played up characters who had been very one dimensional and, um, you know, ca- kind of t- tilted the, the axis a little bit. Um, 
I, I liked uh, I liked their portrayal of, of Adam as He-Man. I, I, I was glad, uh, you know, if for no other reason than the Clark Kent effect, that they made Adam and He-Man look different. Yeah. Like, sorry, so so he puts on a shirt, and once the pecs are gone, you can't you can't recognize <laughs> him anymore. Um, I am Adam. Yeah. No, you're He-Man, sir. No, I am Adam. <laughs> there, there was a great uh, Wizard Comics that a toy fair magazine they had twisted toy fair theater where spider-man got teleported into eternia and skeletor walks in through snake mountain and he's like and here are my two greatest enemies he-man and prince adam and spider-man's like well you guys don't get dc comics here do you <laughs> so you know i i, I was, was was glad they they did that and you know they, they carried that theme through even in in the final battle um you know adam or he-man didn't want to fight skeletor you know, he gives him the power and Skeletor's like, wait, why'd you do that? And he said, I, I, I want you to see what it feels like to save the universe. And Skeletor's like, okay, fight me. And he's like, nah, I, I don't want to. And finally he throws him really far. But, you know, I mean, and, and I also thought it was kind of neat that, uh, you know, he he didn't just magically melt Skeletor's heart. Although if you see the He-Man and she Christmas special, you know, there's a little something uh, something to him. Uh, Skeletor helps some, some kids that are stranded in the snow. Nice. But I don't um, want to feel good. I want to feel evil. Worst Skeletor impersonation ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what you're doing there. All right. Uh, before we move on, we do need that's actually a good segue into Skeletor. But I do, before we do, you know, there as we've been talking about, there's been a lot of complaining about the writing of this show. And I don't know about you guys, but don't you think the writers of this show could have used a tool like Grammarly, Andrew? I think they could have used a little Grammarly on this one. Yes, I do. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, for you listeners of TV Party Tonight, Grammarly is offering a free, speaking of tortured writing, uh, excuse my tortured plug, uh, it's offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. Like when you're writing, hey, this problem needs a good fisting. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to suggest that they had, it was there would have been some red lines coming up under the Fisto dialogue where it's like, are you sure you want to use Fist in this way? Yeah, are you maybe, really sure? <laughs> maybe change this. Maybe just stop writing fisting, fisting, fisting over and over and over again, says, says Grammarly. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network to download Grammarly for free. Got to talk about Skeletor. Um, look, Skeletor, Cobra Commander... Uh, Mumra, you know, they, they they all came from sort of the same model of of supervillain from the days where I was watching cartoons. They were all bumbling idiots. They they all had great, wonderful, masterful Batman sixty six James Bond villain esque plans that all went asunder in twenty two minutes or less. Fine. Um. So I I'm not going to sit here and be like, why wasn't Skeletor smarter? Well, that would have been a giant leap from where he was in the original cartoon, but. I, I, I was I found Mark Hamill's portrayal of Skeletor interesting here because I kept thinking of about him as the Joker, where everyone loves his Joker. Like he's like the canonical Joker for a lot of people. It's like him and Jack Nicholson. Um, but I thought that while he was a little more restrained with the Joker in the Batman show, here it's like, and I'm not blaming Mark Hamill, this had to have been a direction. But like they went with, can you just go like overdo it, be like over dramatic? You know, just take this character into 
back around to again to where, to where it's really silly. Like, here's where I'm going with this. I did not, Andrew, get a serious sense of menace from Skeletor. Yeah, the cliffhanger where he's become giant E-Man Skeletor. Skeletor. god, sure. Was, was in, interesting and was kind of like, ooh, where are they going with this? Like, I, I at least was hooked to want to see what happens next and see if they're going to do anything different with it. But from the first episode where it ends with him dying to the very end where he's like, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. Um, and then this back half where, you know, where he's just rambling endlessly through so many of these episodes. I'm kind of glad that, that Evelyn slept with him just to get him to shut up for a while. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think the character present, was presented with a tremendous amount of menace to where it added to the tension of the show. What do you think? I think you're probably not too far off on that one. I think I think their whole choice to, to dumb him down a little bit was a smart one because you then had the ability to to have you know have him be powerful but not necessarily all that right. sharp is maybe yeah. a, a good choice, especially when you have Evelyn playing off against him and things like that. And and obviously getting back to our whole conversation about his base misunderstanding of what the dynamic of the power was. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to get in trouble for that one later through certain people on the chat, probably. <laughs> but this, one whole, thing this whole show is going to get us all in trouble. Let's just. Oh, yeah. For sure. um, so. so one thing I will say, um, I think I agree with you on on the on the way that he was written. The mm-hmm. one that I think kind of trips for me. And like I said, I'm 38. I grew up with Batman, the animated series mm-hmm. that Mark Hamill's voice as the Joker is what I hear in my head when I read the Joker in a comic, no matter who he's tying up for for whatever reason. (laughs) But in any case, (laughs) in any case, I found, and this is even the same thing contemporarily when he was doing the Hobgoblin on the, on the Spider-Man series. And again, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this is a direction. There's almost a little too much Joker in his voice register there. Yeah. I wish the voice would have sounded a little bit different. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Like the tone like the actual like voice tone of it is so yeah. is too similar to where it just feels like you've done a really really over dramatic oh the drama version of Skeletor and actually the um, oh the drama works for me because okay. I mean I don't know if you guys have seen but there's been a whole run of new Skeletor memes in the last couple years like sure Joker giving or sorry Skeletor see what I'm doing even there. Um, Skeletor giving uncomfortable facts and running away, basically. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like the the asteroid hitting the Earth when the dino to kill the dinosaurs with the largest ratio of one bird or one stone killing many birds. Gotcha. <laughs> In any case, uh, yeah, there's definitely they could have used a little bit more. I, w- I was okay with the dramatic of it, but the actual sound of it just didn't quite work for me all the way. So, tell me your thoughts on Skeletor and whether or not you'd really like to meet him, Evan. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> hmm. Let's see. I mean, the voice. Sorry, yeah, I, I just I, noticed you put Tila in the shot. God damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I know that should have been earlier, but I, I did not prepare very well. You cheeky um, bastard. Um, um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to irritate anybody, but um, I know you were expecting me to put He-Man here and then, hang, bam. Hang on. You didn't want to do what now? I didn't want to irritate anybody. But your thoughts on Skeletor then? Uh, yeah, I, I thought the voice was a, was a little too Joker. Um, 
don't know. For some reason, it, it, it was too low for me. I, I remember high-pitched uh, Skeletor. Um, I, 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 I did, did appreciate some throwbacks, like when he referred to Adam as a royal boob. Um, <laughs> yep, I, I had that. I had a, had an app on my phone a while back that was the the Skeletor insult generator, and it had all these quotes from the from the from the show, and and one was him calling King Randor a royal boob, and. Uh, but sadly, um, I did not have a very high tech phone. I had to clear some memory, and now it's it's gone from the Play Store, probably because nobody paid Mattel any money to make it. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, on on the other hand, um, he's a guy with a skeleton with a skull for a face, whose name is Skeletor. I'm not sure subtlety is in his DNA. I'm not sure subtlety is in any of this show, Fisto. So, <laughs> clap for, sorry, I, hearing the dialogue in this show, and I know, like, you kind of have to go with it because, or don't watch the show, but it's like, Fisto, Claptrap, come with me. We have serious uh, things to discuss. <clears throat> That's Champ Clamp, okay? Whatever. <laughs> that is, oh, Clamp Champ. Oh, my gosh. I just, I just messed it up, too. Voiced by, I just like to point out, Method Man. <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, also have... speaking of, yeah, uh, Method Man was the voice of, Clamp Champ. Okay. And the voice um, cast on... Go was that? Oh, no, yeah, the, the, the voice cast, I mean, that was, if there was ever a lull in the show, I'd be like, who's the voice of? Oh, this is cool. Tony Todd with Scareglow. Oh, no, they, they got a really stellar yeah. cast for this. I mean... Ke- Kevin Conroy was Merman. Yes, he was. And to make me feel really old, Alicia Silverstone was Queen Marlena. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I um. And I understand what you're, you're saying about, about Skeletor, of course. He, he's always been kind of over the top and comedic. Um, they did – usually I would say this this isn't the best way to do it, but they did a good job of having the other characters kind of convey his menace. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they, they were legitimately scared of him. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, I mean, there were probably some points where I was like, that guy? But um, <laughs> So I, I know it would have been better for Skeletor to, to be menacing, but um, they made – you know, they they, they kind of gave him a little weight uh, through the other characters' dialogue that, that he did he didn't give himself. I think um, we're going to start to wrap up here, but I want to give you in case there's something that we didn't talk about or didn't spend enough time on. I'll let you guys sort of direct traffic. I think for me, um, this kind of be my last word, other than responding to you guys. There are threads of this show where I think the writing is fairly solid. Um, I think. But it's hard to look past some of like the glaring issues uh, that we've already talked about. So it's like, you know, in terms of when you're writing a sc- screenplay and you're setting up things in your first act that you must resolve in your second act, that's all there. I mean, credit to Kevin Smith. You might not like his writing. You might not appreciate his point of view. But the man can write a screenplay that actually fundamentally works. All You know, everything is standing solidly on all the pillars of what makes a good screenplay. Content-wise, I think where where he drives people hither and yon, but I think you know I think in terms of let's forget all of our. If you just woke up from a coma and you'd never seen He-Man before in your life, and you have no predispositions uh, or, or opinions on masculinity and femininity, you're just watching the show, see how the story is. The story works. The things they're doing with these characters work fine enough, especially for what they're trying to do here. Um, I think it's all I think it's all the dressing and all the you know the the stuff on top of it. And then of course, people's perceptions of what this should have been that really drags it down. But 
Andrew, last words, last lex, burning desires. <clears throat> so just yes. like hop there. <laughs> All set. Three things. Um, I'd say probably two of the other characters just to really quickly touch on. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the relationship between Beastman and Evelyn was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting kind of character dynamic. I thought it was very well written. Uh, kind of the undersold MVP on this one is Orko, who I thought yeah. was a gag character. Like he was just kind of a one note, re- even by this show's standards, really bad kind of just cowardly jokes. Right. And he then was or, the Thundercats. Yeah, kind of. He was mm-hmm. Neelix. Yeah. But in any case, um, and they gave him not only an interesting arc, but they also gave him a couple of really badass moments. Sure. Was he? I don't think he ever got in the cartoon. Now someone's going to be like, he did this episode, whatever. Not that I can recall. As a child from 50 years ago almost, I don't remember Orko having a lot of big hero moments. I remember him being more of comic relief. Yeah. And when they give him hero moments, they give him really solid hero moments in this show. It it definitely works. Um, Like I said, I have no idea, again, based on fan reaction or anything like that. Um, obviously they were teasing at tying in with She-Ra and talking about the evil horde and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they do, I want it to be the Netflix She-Ra just to drive certain people insane. <laughs> I'm going to ask that you leave the, the, our audience's nipples alone, Andrew. You're supposed to be from Canada. You're the nice one. Leave people's nipples alone. Stop poking them. Speaking of poking nipples, Evan, your uh, last thoughts here. Um, burning desires go. Uh, well, I um yeah I agree. Orko, uh, I really liked uh, what they did with him. I mean, I uh, I loved even more so than his uh, entrance and his his hero moment at the end. Um, the uh, the throwback sound effects, the, you know, the little <laughs> little twinkling sound as he was doing magic mm-hmm. and kicking butt and taking names. I really liked what the, what they did with Man at Arms. Um, you know that that little subplotter Evelyn referring to him as the most dangerous man in Eternia. <laughs> Again, kind of get, gets back to some of that, um, you know, what's what's power, what what strength. Like He-Man was all the power, but Man at Arm's mind is what you really have to worry about. Sure. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of the uh, a lot of the the, the cameos uh, we brought in. I I didn't even know who uh, Pig Boy and Goat Man were. I had to look that up that up today. I was like, who's that devil looking guy? Why didn't I get Cobra Khan? Um, <laughs> But um, you know, I, I liked a lot a lot of what they did. Um, it, I, I I know we talked about Tila earlier. I, I should have mentioned this. As much as people were upset with them focusing on Tila in the first half, in the back half, I was kind of like, wait, wasn't wasn't this about Tila? I, th- I thought she kind of like moved <laughs> off to the side. Oh, that's hilarious! Like, why aren't we getting more Tila in the second half? <laughs> I, maybe not more, but I just I don't know. I mean, part of it. I, I like the way they, they kept you guessing, like, okay, obviously the first episode was a swerve, and then in the second one, you're like, okay, they're building a team to go on a quest, yeah. and then it's like, okay, Orko's fighting them out of hell, and they're getting picked off one by one, what the heck, and now Adam's in Attorney of Valhalla, and, you know, it, it, it was kind of a roller coaster at other times. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. Oh, wait, no, we're doing this over here now. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure that they... I liked a lot of what they tried to do. I, I'm not sure. I guess, like like you were saying, that that it, it all landed necessarily. Um, I mean, I of course I would watch uh, if they if they did another season. I also don't think they necessarily need need to do another season. Um, 
you know, other than that, the, uh, the running gag that I, you know, avoided doing, uh, so that I, I didn't get, get too annoying for you guys was just, uh, you know, drop the names of characters. I, I didn't understand why they still didn't show up. Um, you know, I mean, I mentioned snout spout, um, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I got to get the horde off that list. How do we not get too bad in there? I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, but I mean, no, I, I don't, you know, there, there were things that didn't work for me. Sure. Um, again, I thought it could have been a nice, you know, PG, uh, more serious, but still something my kids could watch instead of a, a Logan's run PG. <laughs> <laughs> Callbacks. Um, but, um, you know, overall I, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it, it, it updated what I, uh, what, what I had watched it, you know, it tried to grow up with me. Um, as much as I've grown up, as you can see, the, uh, examples of my maturity are all around me, but, um, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. Um, I didn't just enjoy it to spite people who didn't enjoy it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, other than uh, me joking that the ending kind of felt a little like Rise of Skywalker, it's like we're going to get everybody to come fight with us. But uh, <laughs> but I like Rise of Skywalker, too. So maybe I'm just, you know, that's maybe I'm just that can, guy. That's not the one that, that everyone's been comparing the of the Midnight's Edge and Critical Drinkers of the World uh, have been comparing it to. They're all comparing this to The Last Jedi, which I also enjoyed. I did too. I yeah. me and you against the world, there, guys. I no, no. I I'm in there too with you on the Last Jedi. Yeah. Um. Well, I think the Last Jedi, this, uh, a bunch of other ones, Cowboy Bebop. Um. If I I I feel like I say this every show now, but if you're too different from the source material, you end up alienating the fans, and so you then, which you can do, you can write a show that utterly alienates the fans, but then you have to go about the hard, arduous, uphill battle of building a new fan base, making a show that's likable for a wider audience. It's not always easy to do. And then you also have to think about, why'd you do this in the first place then? If the idea of doing something familiar was to get people who are familiar with the product to come and watch it, you can't then shit on them and be like, but why does no one want to watch this? Like, you have to be damn sure if you're going to do that. You've got a solid product that's going to get people like my kids, my wife, your kids, your wives, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, whatever. Like people who did not naturally come to He-Man, you need to make the product attractive to them. And this missed both. And I think that's ultimately my biggest problem with it is it's this is there's almost no such thing anymore as too niche because, you know, streaming, you know, creates niches of niches of niches. But there does come a point where, you know, this shit costs money. These people had to be paid. This was a very talented crew. I'm sure it didn't take scale for it. At what point are the numbers so low and so niche that this wasn't a worthwhile financial endeavor anymore? You know what so. they say, Mark? Niches get stiches. <laughs> oh, you wasted your cricket sound effect. <laughs> Do we all... Andrew, did you want to jump in there, or you're just kind of like, yeah, sure, what, whatevs? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think, it, I think, yeah, we did have that conversation around it. I mean, I, it, was, mm -hmm. it was interesting. I was listening to, or I was reading a uh, uh, opinion piece on the Escapist the other day called uh, "The Monoculture Isn't Dead; It's Just Taking a Rest Right Now." And I think, mm -hmm. I think, on some level, you're right on that one, where it's you can be too niche in some ways, but on some level, people are looking for kind of the big archetypes to come back and, and things along that line. And 
And maybe on this one, I mean, this is a worthwhile show to me. I enjoyed it. I, I made some comments on some of the things it said, whether mm -hmm. it is going to be that wider success and whether that does hit really wide for everybody is a, another question. You know, it it takes a lot less money to publish a book or a comic than it does to make a to make a cartoon, and it makes it takes even more money to make a feature length motion picture. Your message, if it's it's incredibly niche, if your audience that you're trying to reach is incredibly small, but but worthwhile to put the message out there for those people. Now you then you have to think about your medium, you know, yep. versus cost. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. Go ahead, Kevin. I, I think you know what what you were saying about you know. Trying trying to do something different. I I think when when that works is when it it comes organically from mm -hmm. from what was there, and I mean, to me, I I felt like this built on you know it it didn't crap on anything. It didn't tell me you were stupid for liking the show. Ha ha, you moron! I can't believe you spent money on this and now you're going to watch this. That's a valid um, point. This does not insult people for watching He Man. This wants yeah. you to love He Man. Yeah, it but, but, but there are there are different ways to look at that. I mean, you know, we mm -hmm. we talked about the Last Jedi. To me, that fit with a lot of what I I liked about Star Wars. To yeah. a lot of other people, it yeah. was it you know completely. Uh, I, I saw people getting mad about it today on Twitter for some reason. I don't remember what uh, what what set them off, but apparently there's always people ready to remind you that the Last Jedi hurt them deeply. The um, argument, hang on, the argument, just to be very clear about this, the argument that that side has is all of our heroes, all of our male heroes, especially, are one by one being denuded and emasculated in favor of what people in Hollywood now think should be are heroes and they are diverse and they are uh they have other um priorities in terms of themes and whatnot and it's it's clashing with people who were like nope i want the the, the heroes and the priorities and the themes of my youth are exactly what i want as a middle-aged adult and these two things are clashing right now in the culture and and I I get that. I mean, I, I don't like it, everything that goes that way. I would just mm -hmm. say, and then I promise I'll get off the last Jedi. I don't remember Luke and Han being that perfect or you know awesome in in the. I mean, they screwed up as much as they got right in the originals. I think, but that's, uh, that's neither people, here neither. There would be people who look back with rose colored nostalgia glasses, going, "My heroes were perfect when I was ten. Okay, and I think no, and, and, and I, I get that. I I didn't feel like this messed with any of my heroes um mm -hmm. i thought it it gave uh more stakes um while, while respecting what came before if you didn't like it i'm not going to tell you you should like it um you know i i i enjoyed it except for uh you know a little bit of a a, a little bit of kevin smith creeping in but i i mean i know i know who kevin smith is mm -hmm. i enjoy kevin smith more often than not um you know so I think, um, and this is going to be the last thing I say on this, and we're gonna then I'm going to throw it to Andrew for what he thought of the score. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Um, I'm I, I do want to see a continuation. They 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 uh, they hinted at Hordak at the very mm -hmm. end. You were alluding to that yep. before. So I need Masters of the Universe, uh, Skeletor, and Evelyn make a porno. <laughs> what does that have to do with Hordak? We need Grizzlor. <laughs> <laughs> I they can be in there too. I mean, we need you know, mosquito. We need like if we can just do just a Masters of the Universe porn with all Drag of these store. characters, like they've done with DC and Marvel. I'm fine with it, dude. The Marvel Avengers porn is like three hours long. It has everybody in it. 
Um, everybody you can think of. And with that, hey, what did you think of the music in this show, <laughs> Andrew? I thought the music was absolutely fantastic. Um, actually done by one of my my personal favorite composers, Bear McCreary. He's done stuff like um, he's done stuff uh, primarily. The one I always look fondly upon is Battlestar Galactica. Um, mm -hmm. He also did Mark something you enjoyed the uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. He's done Outlander. Mm -hmm. He's done uh, For All Mankind. Really interesting. Really, um, really interesting. Really diverse uh, composer and kind of his musical influences how he applies stuff. And I mean, I thought this really fit the series well, a lot mm -hmm. better than say some of the original themes did. It had a lot of gravitas to it. It was very primal in a lot of ways. It, it worked, it worked very much for me. Now, Mark, where would I be able to find this and other fine pieces of music? Funny. You should ask. We are happy to be giving away a free 30 day trial of the Amazon music unlimited service. And don't you know, Andrew, you can listen to Bear McCreary or the Band Necessities or the Band Naked Ladies. It's all there on AmazonMusic.com. And you can listen to it for free for 30 days with your Amazon Music Unlimited subscription that we're giving away. If you click the link of getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network for your free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. You like it, you keep it, you pay the monthly fee, you don't, you cancel, no fuss, no must, no contracts. Who doesn't like free music? Evan Bevins like free music, don't you, Evan? I sure do. Alexa, no, actually, the Alexa's not hooked up today. I just uh, <laughs> I just listened to that one where, uh, where you were horrified that I uh, demonstrated it, and then I figured out why. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please stop setting off my home devices. Um, <laughs> all right. I guys, I think we got it. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and get into plugs. Evan, I hear you have a blog. I do have a blog. It's uh, asterisk51.blogspot.com. Uh, you can uh, go there to uh, hear my story of my favorite Masters of the Universe action figure who whose action feature actually worked and uh, defeated another one of my Masters of the Universe action figures. Um, doesn't that sound exciting? Yeah. Uh, I also had a uh, the uh, original DC Masters of the Universe limited series uh, traveling around with me uh, for years uh, that, that somebody had given me that I finally read, and uh, we went through all, all of those issues where um, uh, the story is very different from uh, from what you get in the the comics uh, in the comics. Yes, the comic story is different from the comic. How about in the cartoon? <laughs> And um, other non-Masters of the Universe-related topics, uh, like should I keep buying X-Men? Or um, how did Ghost Rider and the Thing save Christmas? You should ask Christian, should you keep buying X-Men? He seems to be the expert. The expert. <laughs> expert. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, uh, I look forward to, to hearing what Chris has to say about, uh, about this latest issue. Uh, let's see, when is Evan Bevins joining us again? Uh, you will be doing uh, White Knight on source material with uh, Jesse Starcher. And sometime in April, you and I are going to be doing a comic strip for I Kill Giants. And presuming the Super Bowl ends at a decent hour and we can get you on there, you'll be on for a triple feature with myself, uh, possibly Jesse Starcher, and definitely Jason Teasley doing National Champions. Uh, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, and We Are Marshall. Bop, bada, bop, 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 bop. A movie that I was an extra in. Oh, look at that. A little cool. bunch of Hollywood extras here. That's yeah. A good movie. Well, I mean, 
technically it fades to black before they got to me, but I can tell you the general area where I would have been if they had gone two more seconds. All right. Um, as for me, uh, what do we got going on this week? Tomorrow kicks off Black History Month here on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. We've got a ton of great movie celebrating the history the past present and the future of black cinema and we're going to kick things off with uh, catwoman by halle barry that <laughs> that's funny my wife had that same reaction andrew <laughs> she what, she was the first black woman to win a best actress oscar right i believe so um put, put, put that in the description Will do. Uh, so that's a re-air, actually. That was one of the very first on-trials Sean and I did. I insisted on it. Um, we also have a refresh of Jackie, an on-trial we did for Jackie Brown. And in the evening, Alexis Haino will be joining me for some more Oscar bait. We're looking at Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, Passing, which is currently on Netflix. And come on, come on, starring um, the re most recent Joker, Joaquin Phoenix. All black and white movies. The hoidiest of toity. So look for that. Um, we've got some re-airs, uh, some refreshes for uh, Motley Crue's The Dirt, the soundtrack, and the Netflix movie. And that is in honor of the Pam and Tommy Hulu series that's starting Wednesday this week. Well, in the, in the evening, we'll be reviewing Battle Beast, Circus of Doom. Um, Thursday, Pat Mullen, uh, He-Man superfan, will be coming on The Four Kings of Boxing. <laughs> well, his podcast. Um, he and I will be doing Chapter 7 of The Four Kings of Boxing. We're looking at Marvin Hagler versus Roberto Duran and Tommy the Hitman Hearns versus the very same Roberto Duran. Uh, we've got a refresh of Corn the Nothing in honor of Corn Requiem coming out this Friday. And then we've got some boxing that we're re-airing. Uh, Keith Thurman's in a fight this weekend, so we're going to go back and look at his fight with Josecito Lopez on Friday. And then Saturday, uh, we're going to look back at his fight against Manny Pacquiao. And then in the evening, myself and Dan Lasby will be doing an alternative commentary for Keith Thurman versus Mario Barrios. Also, on Rattledge and Broadcasting Network super contributor, Jonas Rattledge, will be on for Damn You Hollywood. I should call it Darn You Hollywood since I'm doing this with an almost eight-year-old. But he will be on Damn You Hollywood. We'll be looking at Hotel Transform Transylvania 4, Transformania, and I say to the adventures of Buck Naked, Buck Wild, whatever. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, we'll also have a re-airing of our Aladdin Damn You Hollywood from a few years ago. And then this Sunday, we've got Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, a refresh on that. And then David Wright, uh, we'll be coming on to talk Agretzko season four. That's all for me. And there'll be more Black History celebration of Black cinema here on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. I don't want to give it away just yet. I will tell you, though, because Jason picked it, we are going to talk Pootie Tang, one of the highest of high arts of Black cinema, from what I've been told. <laughs> Evan's head just exploded. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering if you can edit me out. Uh, you know, after... <laughs> yeah, we're going to just... <laughs> <laughs> Send all hate mail at sgarmer at gmail.com. All right, Andrew. So it was funny. Uh, the last time I worked with my son, uh, I said, as we were doing plug, I'm like, is there a dojo you would like to advertise for? And he was like, a what now? And I'm like, don't worry. Andrew Graham will think that's funny. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, your plugs, Andrew, such as they are. All right. Well, I guess I've actually got a couple of things to talk about on this network first. So oh, that's right. I think the uh, 21st, aren't we doing the book of Boba Fett? We are. And we're going to call it also the Book of Boba Fett slash The Mandalorian season 2.95. Sure. I haven't you watched it You'll get that yet. joke when you watch, the, watch episode five. 
I uh, also, I think we just got scheduled. I also got scheduled in for Halo on July 11th, correct? Yes. When the Halo, uh, shortly after the Halo series ends on Paramount Plus, it's going to be like 90 of us on that show now. But yes, you are on the Halo okay. show. Okay, well, did, just, just count me as a backup if you need somebody who doesn't know much about Halo, is terrible at the game, and doesn't have Paramount Plus. Yes, Jason, no problem. You can be a backup. Go on, well, Andrew. Nobody in Canada has <laughs> Paramount Plus, so I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat here. So <laughs> It's not a real service. It's not a real service. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, uh, in terms of since you're going to go for the old good old dojo joke, I'm going to go there. So uh, I do train at uh, Steam and Havoc Martial Arts here in Calgary, Alberta. You can actually see our, oops, sorry, not used to doing this on the screen. You can actually see the uh, the logo on the sweater that I'm wearing right here. So uh, definitely have a look for that on, uh, uh, we uh, there are, of course, on all your major social media platforms. So uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, I don't think there's one for Twitter, but uh uh, also search for them on uh, on all your major search platforms. Uh, fantastic training in uh, Calgary, Alberta with uh, karate, Jeet uh, Kune Do, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, and catch wrestling. Very cool. Right, and uh, Serato Scream, of course. All right. Well, guys, thank you for having this. It was a wonderful, pleasant conversation. I'm sure none of us have any friends now. Um, with that said, <laughs> which is always the goal at the end of one of my podcasts. So until the next time, uh, thank you for joining us here. For Evan Bevins, for Andrew Graham, be well, be safe, and behave.